Okay, welcome everybody to Mishalach 5783. Our share today, let's do our very important dedications. Okay, here we go. Dedications, hi mom. Dedications today by Judy Namat for the art site of her Aunt Kayla Bas Eliezer Halevi, who is a wonderful woman who did not marry to have children. She had children. What are our children, people? Uh, Ayla told us Noah, Noah Ish Sadek. There's no such thing as a person. Well, maybe there's one or two people on earth who don't actually have some sort of impact of their of of uh, of their deeds, of their influence spiritually in the world. Okay, Tamara Binowitz for the accident of her mother Mirka Miriam Basruvin. Jody Tabul for the Zuchus for Elias Neshama for Father David Chaim Ben Shlomo, Dr. David Dumbeck, and his second yard site. Sarah Nyman for Fur Shlema for Avram Binyamin Ben Adina, her seven year old grandchild. Risa Levine, Le'ili Nishmas, her father's seven yard site. Shalmalechem, oh wow, what a name. Shalmalechem Ben Yaakov, Le'ili Nishmas, Aryeh Ben Menashe Halevi. Wow, we have a lot of Neshamas counting on us today. Barbara Zan Liloy Nishmas, Masha Basilel on the 6th of Shvat, her first yard site, Lizecher Nishmas, Mary Cheskel, Ben Yosef of Ram Mordechai, Bamasha Leah. Mary Goldberg, in honor of her daughter, Esther Hinder Bas Yochevin Miriam, who is in Ertis Shoal right now. Leah Thurm, on the birth and bris of, the, of her grandson, Avra Aaron Ben Yitzchak Misha, Nero Miriam's mother, Yochevin Rachel Bas Miriam Shoshan, and Aaron recover well. And Rifki Youngrace, Thank you to Hashem. And for Shlema Bakarva Godel, Yehuda Ben Reisel, Chana Bas Simcha Fagel, and all Chole Israel. Amen. And Chana Bas Burya. Oh, Shlomo Farhi's wife? Which Farhi? Eli Farhi? What's his name? Oh, yeah, his wife? Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Chana Bas Simcha Fagel. That means it's Rachel Fishman's sister. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So we have a lot of Elias Neshama and for Shalemas to keep in mind when we learn. All right. Here we go. You see somebody was we, we should do a Kakol also that was killed by Claudia. Yeah. I just heard it. Adira. Okay. I have a question for all of you. You've all said Az Yashir probably 10,000 times in your life. Okay. Right. Agreed. Okay. Can anybody tell me what Az Yashir is about? Not a trick question. What is it talking about? What part of it does talk about? the water takes them in and they, they they're strong they're heavy and they go up and right down. so there it's is okay part of it is that the water turns them around okay what else come on you know you guys can unmute yourselves what's az yashir about it's yes it's Vitamin is about the future, the future song that we're going to sing. Okay. What's the bulk of the first part of it about before it gets to the future? Let me ask you a different question. Think about as yesterday. Take out a sitter. Find me the pasuk that says that the water split. Let's go through it. 
Az Yashir Moshe Ben Israel. Hold it. As Hashira Hazos. Okay, I'm not doing the English. You guys should know the English or take an English sitter next to you. Okay, Az Yashir Moshe. You stop me when I get to the words that talk about the sea splitting, okay? But Yom Rulemar, Ashira Lahashem Ki Ga'o Ga'a. Sus for Rochbo, Ramavayam. Azi Vizimraska Vahi Lilishua. Ze Kaili Vandehu. Aloke Aviv Aroma Menuhu. Hashem Ishmil Chama, Hashem Shemo. Anything yet? Okay. Okay. Markabos Paro Vahelo Yarabayam. Mivhar Shalishav Tub Ubiyamsa. Tahomos Yachasumu. Yardu bimtsulos, come on, Anything yet? Yemincha Hashem nedari bekoach. Yemincha Hashem tirat oye. Barua barov goncha taharos kamecha tishalach haroncha yochle mukakash. Baruach apecha ner mumayim. Could that be it? Nitzvu kamod ne noslim kafu tahomos belev. Yeah. Okay, if there's That's any Tosuk that might refer to the splitting of the sea, it would be this one. This one and only this one. So what we have to talk about today is why does the Shira not directly mention that the sea split? But it does do a lot of mentioning about the sea crashing down and drowning everyone, each one into their own Madrega, and how Hashem did justice on that day. And the enemy saw Hashem's hand doing justice, and Hakadosh Baruch Hu was exalted by the way the chariots and the horses and the, all the various powerful people of Egypt were just, you know, were just um, kind of in the God's, uh, you know, in, in like like little toys in God's hands. How all their great intentions to resuppress the Jews were foiled. So that's all talked about. But regarding the splitting of the sea itself. Yeah, it actually doesn't mention it, not directly. So we have a few questions to ask. What do these words mean? And this is all from my grandfather, Mayan Beis Shreven. Okay, so what do the words Baruch Apecha Nermu Mayim mean? And when I, when you want to know what a word means, you must go not two English translations. You go to where? Yes, and but who's the who gives a running translation of the Torah? Uncleus. Okay, Uncleus is giving you a running translation. And what's so reliable about Uncleus is Uncleus is using the Chazal, which you know to help to, to translate correctly. All right. So Baruach Apecha. What do the two words mean? The the wind, right? The ruin of Hashem's nostrils. Does Hashem have nostrils? Okay. So this is a metaphor, or maybe our nostrils are a metaphor. Okay. So what sort of metaphor are nostrils? So we know that charon af, the flaring of the nostrils, is a is a way of describing like a bull raging, right? And their nostrils are flaring. A dragon is like breathing fire. Right. So when there's wind, there's a blast coming out of someone's nostrils, that implies 
something dangerous, something that implies something um, that is um, dangerous for the one on the other end. So when it says Vayichar Af Hashem, that Hashem's nostrils flare, or there was Haron Af, rule, very important rule, only used in context of Avodah So what else do we know about where, where do we find the first time the metaphor for blowing and nostrils? Where, where does that appear first? Yes. So here's how we think about the Ruach Epecha Yes. So Hashem, so to speak, exhales or blows the Neshama into a person's nostrils. The Neshama, Neshima, breath, divine exhale, okay, in this case, infuses a person with the neshama life what is the neshama we always compare it to the umbilical cord the direct connection uh to god which is always understood as our capacity to receive divine ideas into our head that influences the way we think the neshama like the umbilical cord is a connection to the realm of Baruch Hu, Hashem is only thought. Hashem reaches us, but Hashem's thoughts reach us. That's called the divine exhale. And they influence the way we think and they influence the way we see the world. We're going to get to that more today. Now, when a person, okay, when a society like Egypt, Beth is in Egypt now, right? When a, and Batshev is in Egypt, when a society like the Egyptians, which is the primary society that explains, when they disconnect themselves from being influenced by God, they enter survival mode and they start trying to manipulate whatever you know, forces they can in order to get their needs met, okay? They have cut off, so to speak, their connection, their connection to this divine exhale or this flow of divine ideas, divine truths into their head. Therefore, the way that is described is charon af. It's as if they have experienced Bill, the neshama that Hashem has given them out their nose, back out. It's a scribe. Now Hashem doesn't have rage or emotions or anger. Rather, this is helping us understand that we're talking about a situation where somebody is reacting to the fact that humanity has expelled their neshama. Okay, and that, so to speak, in child, you know, in, in simplistic terms, makes Hashem angry. Hashem does not have emotions. It means that the purpose of a person's life is being violated. This is not what they're created for. This is going to require a Kodesh Baruch Hu to intervene, to take action. This cannot be um, allowed to continue. And this certainly cannot be allowed to destroy the one people, the one nation that is trying desperately to hold on to that neshama. Okay? Okay. So Baruch HaPecha, so HaKadosh Baruch Hu is bringing Midas Adin upon the people that expel their neshama. Okay? Very interesting. Well, we won't get into it right now. Okay. Um, now, second of all, Nermu Mayim. How does Hashem? This is where we're going on a journey now into like it's not sci-fi, it's not science fiction, it's real. We're going into a journey, okay, into how Hashem brings Midas Hadin into the world at a time of Giloy Shrina. This is going to be a time of extreme revelation of what of we talk about it as like the transparency of that wall between us and the, the baby and the mother 
suddenly we get to see the big picture, what we're really part of, like we get to see our context. The Gila Shechina is when HaKadosh Baruch Hu shows the world what's really going on here, okay? And what they're part of and what they have to keep in their awareness. This is not a free-for-all. This is not survival of the fittest. This is not each person just looking around at their particular circumstances and manipulating, splitting everyone around them to get whatever they want in the most expedient way. That's not life, okay? So how does Hashem do this? Well, Hashem, what is, what, how do we envision a Giloy Shechina? So we know by the Yam, how did it happen that the waters parted? How did this great Giloy Shechina, this great, enormous revelation, how did it happen? Wind, wind blue. That's nature. Hashem caused a very powerful wind to blow. Basically think of it as a tidal wave, as tsunami. This massive wind creating a wave that just literally pushed the water aside, okay? At the right time, in the right place, for exactly the right amount of time, okay? That's a medrash. Okay, literal. Now, look at the words. Baruch HaPecha. Watch this. Nermu Mayim. Uncle says, it doesn't say it's split. It doesn't say nothing. It says, Nermu Mayim. This is the important point. The root of the word Nermu is... What does that mean? Arma, Arma, or we use it as Arum also, but Nachash Haya Arum Mikol Chaya Sasada. Lavan Ha Arami. What is Arami? Arum means, means very tricky. What? Naked bear. Yeah, also means naked. In this case, Uncle says it means Arum means extremely devious. Shrewd, 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 shrewd. What we're talking about here is the water was given a mind of its own. The water was given chachma. Uncle says arma bechachma. In other words, talk about artificial intelligence. This is Torah's type of sort of. Hi, this is sort of like, um, you know, the a whole other realm of operation when HaKadosh Baruch wants to ex express himself, expose himself, so to speak, reveal himself. Guess what happens? Nature comes to life and nature has Bechira and nature takes on personality and nature is given autonomy to do what Hashem wants it to do. Actually, the water gets Chachma. The water, meaning this force, the yam itself, is given some sort of permission to act for God. Suddenly, the water takes on its own agenda. The water says, the water looks like it's going to find a way to lure the Egyptians in, okay? And then when they're in, collapse. What are we learning here? So my grandfather teaches a yesod, which is Kabbalistic. The Ramban goes in this direction, okay? Whenever there's a nace galoy, what you're going to see is nature itself being, being given what it had in Sheshis Mevoratius, what it will have in the future, Bechira. Now start finding examples of situations where it seems like Something of the natural world seems to have Bechira. We're going with the Ramban because the Rambam says the entire thing was a dream. Okay. 
but and for very good reasons. But according to Ramban, that on some level, Svardaya, excellent. What else? We're going to go through these. Eight's pre Elsaprine, no? Yes. Yes. The, well, the Svardaya are told. Okay, so we have a few examples. My Kinem, what? The Kinem and the, um, which oh, one was it? Shen. No, just as for they are talked about having, making a decision to jump into the furnaces. Mm -hmm. We're going to learn about this. Okay, so my grandfather says like this, Matsinu. When there is nes nigla, which is the future, okay? The, the entire realm of the natural world gets a whole new sort of uh, capacity, which is Bechira and Das. Now, we're worried about robots taking over. That's scary. It's a real thing, okay? But here's what we have to start thinking about, and then we're going to go through examples. You know, when we speak about Yomos Mashiach, and again, Oz Yashir, we will again sing it, okay? There will be another opportunity for the world, for Amishol, and the world that will that will that will um, throw their lot in with Amishol and the truth we've been trying to preserve all through our history. There will be another time where there will be such a clear revelation that nature itself is playing into what's right. Wow. And nature establishes what's right in the world, that there's actually another time in history where the wicked get punished and it's, and it's like nature's playing games with them. Nature's getting, manipulating them into their own destruction. Okay, guys I have to mute you if there's noise in the background. And there'll be another time, um, where the where it'll be super clear that it's if it's as if nature knows what it's doing. So now think about this: we talk about Yemos Hamashiach, the most the biggest change, according to Rambam, that will take place in Yemos Hamashiach, is there will be no more war. Eretz Yisrael will be secure. It will be led by a leader from Achas Beis David that will establish a Torah a Torah lifestyle, right? a Torah way of life. And the rest of the world will, ha will have seen, as Yeshayahu says, they will have seen and come to accept that the Torah is and always has been the guidelines for how people are supposed to live. All of this animosity, hatred, and destruction of Jewish people come to an end. There will be no more war. You will beat your swords into plowshares. Survival mode is over. Nobody anymore is competing for for power, for goods, for all of that, okay? Everybody is being, uh, understands that Hashem provides for them. So here's the thing. I'm not sure what the number is today, but the number up till recently of how much human resources, money, brain power, time, space, energy, okay, was went into the worldwide arena of the military, do you understand? Do you understand how much human resources go into the military? How much of what we're busy with is weapons, defense, cyber stuff? It's what is the world going to do? What are people going to do when there's no more war? When there's total disarmament? By the way, one of the signs that it's actually Mashiach is they have to disarm the world. There have they have to be successful in achieving total disarmament. You will beat your swords into plowshares. Okay. So what is everybody going to do all day? 
Well, there we live in a world that we haven't even begun to scratch the surface of nature. If nature is Hashem's self-expression, if every single aspect of the, the natural world that Hashem created has within it something that can teach us about Hashem, then we are all going to have the, we're going to see, we're going to have the, this will be our most, you know, our motivation to discover Hashem through Torah and through the natural world. <laughs> Anyone know about the Fibonacci sequence, the God ratio, the spirals? Okay. There is so, look it up. There's so much genius in nature. We haven't even begun to scratch the surface of more than that. We don't understand the properties that all different natural species have. And they, you know, with the benefits we can gain from them, we are going to have the opportunity to discover nature. However, nature in a time of Gila Shechina moves up to an entirely different realm of functioning. It becomes our partner. It works with us. It knows what we need and it provides. So for example, we're standing at the yam and we need it to split. So it splits. And that's natural because it has Bechira, because it's our partner, because the, the, us, the people that follow the Torah and nature and Hashem are all working together. It's all a holistic system. The curse, the tikkun on the curse, right? The curse that nature will become disconnected from man Okay, and nature will have no longer have chachma and bechira, and will not respond to the needs of man. Okay, that curse, which was reiterated by after Adam, we have a whole share on this, and then again after Cain, and then again after the Mabel, that Hashem will disconnect nature and man. Nature will have its seasons. Too bad on man, and this 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 will be reversed. There will be a tikkun. Nature, mankind who are following Kadosh Baruch Hu, and God are all going to be together. So you won't have to hire someone, so just another person to do what you need. Your nature will do what you need. Nature will know what we need and respond. We will have, forget about robots, Alexa and all these other stuff. There is actually a, a, a Kabbalistic idea in Torah that we are not on our own here. That we are not on our own. That we're going to live in an entirely different type of situation. And, um, and, you know, all of these, you know, so much of science fiction is about this. Yeah. What? So my grandfather explains that after the Sheshis Mebrashis, Hashem set nature sort of on its course. Okay. However, you see from that, and, and that's, the, and that is, um, okay. We have a whole class on this. I'm going to link it to the chat. In Sheshis Meberashis, okay, which includes the Adam and Chava, the Etadah story, and the Kain and Hevel story. In both of those cases, you see that when man slips spiritually, nature, okay, responds to that slippage by protesting. It still has Chachma. So Hashem says to Adam, you wait from the tree, the earth will not respond to you. You're going to get weeds because the earth is saying no. The earth that says, I am not going to provide your needs because you're slipping. You're now in survival mode. I'm not participating in that. So the, the earth still has Chochmah. Then you get to Cain and the murder of Cain and Hevel, which we spoke about a few weeks ago. And the earth says, oh, I'm not participating in this. And Hashem says, Ara Atameh Adama, you're cursed. And the earth says, 
if you to the degree that man slips, I will resist. I will protest. I will not provide for you. But that still is the realm of Bechira. So you look at the earth and you say, why is it not providing? And the answer is because it doesn't want to provide for me because I'm not who I, I'm supposed to be. So you have a problem. Nature, who's your who's your you know your loyal, trusty partner, is putting on us is going on strike. That is still the realm of Bechira. Now, that that's 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 yes, that is the earth is meant to respond to man. But what we're learning in the Sheshis Mebrasha stories is that in all the stories that there, Akadosh Baruch was teaching us that ideally nature and man work together. And when nature is giving you problems, that's a direct message, something's wrong. However, after the real life starts, because don't forget, Sheshis Mebrasha are not part of real time. We count five, seven, eight, three plus six days of creation, meaning they all, this is all describing the ideal state. Okay. Once real life starts, okay, you have a, uh, a, a relationship of man and nature, all right, which is still moral. There's still a response between man and nature, which is why there's a marble. If the humanity has devolved, dissolved into anarchy, essentially dissolving their own surah, their own surah sa'adam, till there's nothing left, nature dissolves them. They're still together. But after the marble, Hashem says, that's it. I'm disconnecting nature and man. Nature is going to do its own thing. It's going to follow its own rules. It's not going to react to you. It's going to, you're going to do your thing. Nature is going to do its thing. Because if I leave nature and man connected, forget it. We'll never, nobody will survive. Okay, nature will. Wait, 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 wait. So now, from the after Mabel, nature and man are disconnected. Okay? Now. My grand, my father-in-law always used to talk about this. In the Balakeda talks about this. I'm go, like I said, there's a whole share just on this. Now, what happens as we, as man, as as history progresses? There's 400 years between Noah and Avraham. Finally, you get Avraham in the world who reconnects man to God, which means he starts the process of reconnecting nature to man. Okay, nature begins responding back to a person that is connected to God. He restores the proper relationship between Teva and the human being, which is why you start seeing nature responding to the needs of people. For example, who can give me an example by the Avos where nature provides for them because they deserve it? Okay, that's one. There's one digging of wells, but that doesn't show nature providing as much as, as what's a, 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 a very clear example? Those are, those are shop, 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 shop. Medrash, that's Medrash, shop. These are Medrashim. Stick with shop. Okay, Yitzchak. Yitzchak gets this bumper crop. Okay, nature just gives them a bumper crop. All right. Um, and why? Yitzchak was, we, we well, I'm, we can't digress too much, but you begin to see by the Avos that nature is starting to respond. Then what do you see in Mitzrayim? You see in Mitzrayim that the, the, the rivers in the Egyptian part of town is blood. And one second, if, and if a enslaved victim, from Amishol takes water from the blood. It's it's uh it's water for them. 
And if the Egyptian says, hey, give me, give me that glass of water and tries to drink it, it's blood, right? We're going with the so basic- counting the whole Moshe set to do it. Yeah, yeah, but no, Moshe with them. Okay, now we're, I didn't, Moshe's mate is reinvesting nature with Chachma mm -hmm. and with Bechira. And you start seeing this level of Bechira in nature until you get to the Yam. And uncle says, the water act with chachma. It was given, so to speak, its full measure of freedom to do what it had to do. Now, the thing is like this. How can we process this? Imagine this happening. How are we going to process this? It's too overwhelming. So my grandfather explains that the reason that this is the only veiled reference to the splitting of the sea is because when nature takes on personality, like in the movies, like in the Disney movies, okay, and starts operating as if it had chachma, as if it had a mind of its own, and it does what we need it to do, and so like we, Hashem and Amisol and nature are all like working together, right? It is so different than anything we're used to. We're used to being the only creatures that have bechira, because as we said, after Noah, there was a disconnection of nature and man. Avram start and the Avasimah start to bring them back together. The Mako start to bring them back together. And then you finally have this. Now, it's so different where nobody's used to seeing this that it's hard to process. It's so hard to process that they couldn't sing about it. It's so mind-blowing. It's so, we don't have the tools. We're not used to it. We're, this is not how nature operates in a normal level that it's almost impossible to articulate. And so in the Shira, they, we talk about the water had Chachma. The water had Chachma. And if you go on, the Pasa continues, Nitzvu Kamo Neid Noslim. Now that is Nitzav. They stood up, like Nitzav stood above, like a like something, uh, like a wall, right? So there is a reference to some sort of standing, like a wall. And Kafu to Homos Yam which this is, this is already deeper, you know, not something that people could have really seen, that in the depths of the ocean, at the core, there was some, the water somehow found itself operated as if it was solid, okay? This is, as we said, the one puzzle. It doesn't talk about splitting, all right? It talks about having some sort of structure, changing its form. It became congealed, so to speak, or more solid, had some sort of structure to it. That's about the most we could say, all right? Because as we said, that this shift is so different, it's so radical that it's hard to find words to explain it because we're used to being the only people with Bechira. But actually, the way Hashem designed the world and the way that Emirates Hashem will, we should be Zoha to experience, is that, very, not, is that we're not the only ones with Bechira. But it's not a Bechira we have to be afraid of, like artificial intelligence are going to get a mind of their own and take over the world and all that. It's, a, it's nature rising up to its proper status, and, and we can expect nature to teach us, to be our best teacher, to teach us so, so much we don't know yet. Before we go on, we're going to give examples of, of, of episodes where there was a revelation of God through the medium of nature seeming to act independently with its own intelligence. So, and its own moral intelligence. This is important. 
moral intelligence. You see, we're used to nature not being immoral. We're used to nature being amoral. That's the condition, okay, between Noah and Avram. And that is the condition that, that the Torah tries to reverse. But it but after we lost the base of Migdash, now that we're in Golos, we are back to some degree, a large degree, in a state where nature and man are basically disconnected. Now, for Am Yisrael, who follow the Torah, there's never a full disconnect ever again. Even though we're in Golis, there is not a full disconnect. There is still a connection, not as clear and obvious as moments of pure revelation, <laughs> but there's still a connect. This explains what we call a nasinister, these hidden, unexpected situations where, where we see that somehow nature is on our side. For example, thousands, four and a half, I don't know how many missiles are shot from Gaza and the wind just takes them everywhere and they all feel in fallen fields and empty places and there's never one or two casualties instead of what they hoped for or maybe no casualties. So we see like something's on their side, right? Stuff like that. So the, for Amishol, it's not disconnected. For anyone who's connected to God, it's not fully disconnected. This is what we talk about Hashkocha. There's a certain divine interaction with people. It's not fully disconnected. But it's not connected in such a clear, blazing, you know, obvious way that nobody could deny it. When we talk about an open miracle, we're talking about a miracle through nature. You know, there's a lot of confusion. What's the difference between an open miracle and a hidden miracle? Nes galoi, nes nister. Of course, Nes Gully works, works through nature. That's what's so shocking about it. That's what makes it an open miracle. Nature comes alive and decides what it wants to do. That's the open miracle. That nature has, but Chachma is the open miracle. The hidden miracle, is, and the open miracles, by the way, the hidden, hidden miracles, they differ in purpose. The open miracles, which work through nature, clearly in, a, in, a, in an overwhelming way, they are there to shock the world into recognizing that nature is not just a set of facts. It's not a mechanism, okay? It is God's self-expression. That is a big paradigm shift. And so the Nes Goloi teaches that. The Nes Nister doesn't necessarily teach that because it's private. But what the Nes Nister does is it puts nature to work, ensuring the survival and the protection of Amishol in a trillion little ways, or in other people too. We are not the only people <laughs> subject that get divine providence. Yes. Yes. For me, it seems to me like nature is Hashem's self-expression. Yes. Hashem controls nature. Yes. It's Hashem's role. Yes. That's in nature. So Hashem's role is yes but we're adding a little nuance here she's we're you know ilan is talking about um what um you know is it hashem's will expressed in nature or does nature have chachma you know hashem's will is also expressed through us when we allow ourselves to be influenced by what's right and then we act on it that's hashem's will coming through us but through our bahira nature gets that too as they know they are in line with Hashem's will and they get to channel it. It's a whole other dimension we're not used to. It's a whole other zone. But for, there are many examples of this 
actually happening. You know, it's like, but then they can also choose not to do like no, only not so only in a time of Giloy Shechina. This is how it works. What, only in a time where God is openly revealing Himself and showing the world right from wrong. Then there's total clarity. Everybody sees it. Nature has become realigned with God. So it's not that like us. I don't. Okay. So Bechira, we always think about is choosing between right and wrong. You are right. But when there's Gila Shechina, our Bechira changes. Because there's, oh, the clarity is so true. Our Bechira becomes how we're going to express the clear and obvious truth. So Bechira changes. There's no more choosing to either live a lie or choosing to live in the light of truth. That doesn't exist anymore. Everything's MS. Everything is clear. So now the Bechira is, how do we express it? By the way, in many areas in our life, we get, we people are already, I'm sure everybody here is already on that madriga in many areas of their life. There is no, for example, simple. You, we don't Bechira, should I serve pork on Shabbos or not? No, my Bechira is, of course I'm serving kosher food on Shabbos. What food am I going to serve? Okay. So when you have clarity and you're you're aligned your bahira is within that truth yeah and yes yes it makes nature nature is a malach nate for example when i just told this thing in the in my elion classes by migdal bavel hashem says let us go down and and um what's it called and be and um mix up their languages. So Rashi says, who's us? Hashem and his court. What does that mean? Hashem and his basin. What is the basin? The basin is those that carry out the law. When, you know, the Torah speaks in a language that everybody can read, even a three-year-old, even a five-year-old, right? When we say that Hashem and his court or those that fulfill God's will or malachim, we're talking about forces. In this case, forces of nature. You know how Hashem's mixed up all the languages, Migdal Bavil? Go look up the mass migrations in the 1900 BCE. There were all sorts of natural phenomenons that caused everybody to migrate into all different areas. There was major floods in Northern India and in the Far East and everybody just went everywhere. And that's how Hashem mixed up the languages. That's how you have to learn Torah on a more sophisticated level. So yes, nature is a malach, of course. And the malach is given sort of, it's, it's a certain leeway how it's going to do what it wants to do, but this only happens when everything's aligned. When all the when Amishol or have total amuna, we see Hashem clearly. There's transparency. By the way, the measure says that a baby, listen to you know what it means, in his mother's stomach, is what is it? Saw through there was transparency and saw through and saw the Kriya Yamsuf. It's trying to say it, everything was so obvious. HaKadosh Baruch Hu pulled away the veil of the natural world and let uh, everybody see that Hashem and the natural world are one and that Amisol can, can, are part of that or, and, and whoever buys into this very simple idea called oneness, that there's Hashem and there's the world and there's us and it's all one and we might as well get in sync with what we're part of and whoever buys into that is living in a different realm. Yeah. How does Amalek do that? Amalek? 
Oh, 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 how does a mullet have, start up? If there's such a clarity, okay. such a yum and there's such a, Correct. like you're saying by Mirza Shem, yes. then how? Yes. Like, no more war. How is it not at that point? Correct, so very good. Day. How does a mullet start up with them afterwards? So, well, a mullet starting up after is, well, first of all, Amish will get weaker. It says they're handing. Yes, but okay. So now you're asking a different question, which is a question for next week's parsha, and actually two weeks, which is after all of this, how could the Amishal start complaining and saying, "Is God with us?" Like, how could they forget what they saw? So we're going to get to that. Not for now, okay? Yeah. Well, how does it happen though that we forget what we saw? Yeah. Yes. Very good. Us and us, by the way, is a word that means past and future. Right. There's it's no bound, no more limits. Okay. Let's look at a couple of examples where we see that nature seemed to have Bahira. Why do we uh we have a we have a rule, okay? In Mishpatim. Let's say you have ripped up meat, trephus. You're not allowed to eat it, you have to give it to dogs. Why? Because what does the Pasuk say? In Parshas Bo, and they didn't bark that night. They were guard dogs. Think about the German shepherds, right? Well, Nubius, really. Think about their their uh, Egyptians also had their god, the god of the of death, which looked like a ferocious dog, a jackal, whatever. But in any case, death was and 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 um, punishment was associated with that. No dog barked. So now you give them a reward. Wait a minute. Why do they get a reward if it's there's no Bahira? If they didn't do anything, if they're just pre-programmed, why are you giving them a reward? Implied here is they made they should they didn't bark at Jews. They had some sort of awareness and they made a choice. There it's a it's strange to think about, but it's what the Chazal are trying to say. Okay, here's another one. When um Hanani Michel Nazaria were being threatened to be thrown into a furnace, okay? In Gemara Pesachim, it says, they gave their lives, masru atzmam, they were ready to be moser nefesh, nasu kalvachomer they took it from the Tzvardeim, they took it from the frogs, they said. Just like the frogs in Egypt chose to jump into the furnaces and ruin the bread and just, you know, and ruin their food, so we too, Okay, we too are going to do it because the Pasuk says that the frogs, they came, they came into everybody's houses. Why would a frog jump into a furnace? Why would any animal jump into a furnace? Makes no sense. But the Pasuk says they jumped into furnaces. What moved them to jump into a furnace? So they took a Kalva Homer. They said they made a choice. Let's make a Kiddush Hashem by jumping into the furnace and ruining their dough. So they have like bread baked, you know, baked with frogs. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So my grandfather says here that uh, he's proving a proof that um, that um, that um, that uh, clearly you have to say if they that they had some sort of a hero. Okay. What um, what's another one here? Oh, Moshe. Remember when I've been by May Mariva, Hashem told Moshe to do what? Talk to the rock. And then what would happen? It would, it would, it would, it's water would flow. 
Okay, we learned the whole thing about Moshe not talking to the rock, but clearly, Akadosh Baruch is saying, talk to it, and it's going to listen to you. Okay, what is going on here? The rock is going to respond to your request, because guess what? When, when there's a Gila Shechin in the world, then nature and man work together. Now, the Balakeda, which my father-in-law made a life's work of studying, and it's a very difficult safer. He talks about two types of teva. The teva in Hester Panim, when there's no revelation of, no clear revelation of God, and teva in a time of Gilo Shrina. The teva, the nature we're used to, when God is not clearly revealed, okay? That teva that we're used to, all right, is, and what we expect, is a is nature that does not openly respond to the needs of man. And when we're in a situation, a person lives in a polluted area and they get sick, we don't say, why did nature do this to me? Right? We know, look, this is nature and we are, are affected by nature. We're not impervious to nature. So as my father used to say, theoretically, right, if a good person and a bad person both fell off the Empire State Building, right? They fall at the same rate, right? Nature doesn't care. Now, again, there is Nes Nister and there is Ashkacha Pratis, but by and large, nature is sort of disconnected. It's amoral, it doesn't get involved. But there's another type of Teva, the, a real type of Teva that was in Sheshis Mebracious, that was at any moment of Gila Shrina, and that will be, again, the real norm, the norm, the new normal, is that Teva is not just moral, but it's our partner. And this is so, as we said, so mind-boggling, so totally different from what we're used to that it's going to take a whole reorientation process to sort of come to terms with it. And then we realize that it not, you know, we've been living in Gullis for so many years, fighting the good fight, standing up, sacrificing our lives for what's right and true and moral by ourselves. Forget about people helping us. That rarely happens. So imagine, no. first of all, the new reality, the new normal is everybody helps. Everybody supports. Everybody facilitates. Everybody is seeing the world the same way. Everybody is, is uh, appreciating and embracing the values of the Torah. And we're not alone anymore. But more than that, nature's at our service. So for example, you know, it, it requires a total shift in how the world lives now. Right now, for example, food. Think about food. The industry, the world of mass marketing and industry, there's so much food and so much of nature that has been poisoned and polluted and disrupted. And you don't even know what you're eating and if there's any nutrients left in what you're eating and if everything's toxic and who knows what, okay? Nature has to go back. There has to be a whole transition. Nature goes back to its healthy beautiful, you know, original state. So all the types of everything man does, which exploits and destroys nature comes to an end. It's like a different universe. And, um, and we, we, we take care of nature and nature takes care of us. But we saw a glimpse of this here. Okay. So now my grandfather says, this is what we say on Shabbos. When we talk about the Bria, we say, Yatsram, you form them. What are the next words, guys? Bedas. Babina Ubahaskel. It's not just talking about Hashem formed them with Hashem's das, Hashem's knowledge, but with their own das, their own ability. Okay. So um, so um, 
we're, we're, what we're looking at are moments in time, there were not many, where the, we went back to like the state of affairs of Masa Baratius, of how things are, you know, and how Hashem originally designed everything. But what we're being told is Az Yashir, okay, that it will happen again. Now, one last thing. At the end of Sheshis Yimei Baratius, when Hashem created nature with its with this capacity, as is evident by the fact that when man sins, nature goes on strike, okay? After the Sheshis Yimei Baratius, when real life started, okay, it says, HaKadosh Baruch created everything and then stopped. And it says, Ki shavas mikol malachto. Hashem rested. Shavas mikol malachto. Okay? So, the Chazal say in, in the Medrash, Mi malechas olamo shavas. He, the work of his world, he rested. Below shavas, but he did not rest. Mi malechas harashayim. Below shavas, mi malechas hatzadikim. But Hashem didn't rest from being involved with the with the with the dynamic of the righteous and the wicked. Meaning, after Sheshis Mebrishis, where life starts, real history, and we have Bechira, real choice. And at this point, choice now is limited to people. Starting with the beginning of history, choice is limited to people. Okay, and they get to um, decide, so to speak. Okay, what, uh, how they're going to use their das and their chachma. However, there's always built into the system is the capacity of humanity to reconnect the, 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 um, to reconnect nature to ourselves and to God. But this is going to come back to our Bechira. So our Bechira, this is what we're saying, our Bechira, where there's no rest to, is going to dictate if nature has Bechira. So we're so scared of nature. We're scared of all sorts of extreme. Now we're talking about extreme weather and extreme phenomena. We really see that we're terrified. Nature is like a monster. Nature is out of control because of things we've done that seems to have, you know, facility, you know, allowed that to happen. So here's what it works. If we want nature to be benign, not just benign, Better not benign. Benign means neutral. We want nature to be on our side. Nature to be our partner. Nature to be, um, what's a good word? To help us. Compassionate. Not benign. Almost like, yeah, but what's a good word for that? Yeah, maybe beneficial. Okay. Then we, it all starts, our Bechira is the only thing standing between <laughs> nature being a totally disconnected b our enemy okay or c our best friend our partner our bahira reconnects na nature to us and to god yeah so this is reserved as Yashir. We're not going to accomplish this on our own. But one, the vision of how we view Yomos Mashiach is a very unusual vision. Okay, it's very different because we're looking at a whole different 
relationship between us and nature. But till that point, the best we can do is use our Bechira, okay, to, in a way that, to the, that allows Teva, nature, to the extent that it can, become more responsive to human needs. So we call that Hashgacha practice. In a, in a way, we call that divine, sort of a special divine intervention that links up nature and people and sort of makes the, you know, puts them in a, uh, in a um, relationship where, where nature can sort of, you know, in, in a very subtle way, help somebody, you know, avoid danger or succeed in some way. So in minor ways, we are still linked to nature. Amistral as a nation, the, our survival, it's unnatural. Okay. Um, one last thing. Not only is our survival unnatural, we, um, you could, most people reconnect to Judaism if they're estranged through the miracles of Jewish survival. It just doesn't seem to make any sense. And so you have nature behind the scenes there. Yeah. Yes. Yes, you really could see it actually, like Shemitah. You could really see it in Eretz Yisrael. You know, I once made a huge mistake. I spoke in Eretz Yisrael, and I was much younger then. And uh, I said, "There's no nice galoy anymore today." And the lady said, "You don't live here," <laughs> because the line between, but the the distinction between nice galoy and nice sincere is something so, as we said outrageous that everybody says oh my goodness nature is not a mechanism nature is clearly working with the jews or working with god or working with the people that believe in god for he sure say every morning he say hashem you are the one who makes light and darkness yes you are the one who makes the sun yes and says if we as jews are aware we have the ability to be aware of Hashem's name. Yes. Yes, yes. You know, but I have to say the harsh, cold truth, and it's almost impossible to be pure in this area. Okay, let's be honest. It's it's difficult to purely operate on a level where we respect that nature is Hashem's hand, you know, like handmaiden, <laughs> and we don't do anything to violate nature. Right? That's another thing. No, but for example, I hate to say it, who's willing? I mean, it's a problem. We brought some of big families. No plastic, period, no disposables. No more disposables. Okay. But Yiddishkeit has to go green. Judaism has to go green. No. Right. By the way, I believe in that. How about, how about that? Like if we exploit nature, if we ruin nature, if we don't care about nature. So if we put nature in a situation where it can't do what it's supposed to do, if we put nature in a situation where it's, it, 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 it's, it can't flourish. Not only that, the beneficial aspects of nature are we destroy them? We destroy trees and species that are have medicinal effects on us. The environment, you know that eggs aren't. You know that chickens aren't laying eggs right now. You read about this? Yeah. The bees, bees, the entire, uh, you know, the entire industry. I mean, just just plants. All plants depend on bees. You know, there's a major problem with bees. Billions are missing. We are destroying nature so that nature can provide for us even in normal ways. So the the really big thing, you know, you talk about Mashiach, there is no doubt 
that Mashiach is going to be an environmentalist? There's no doubt that Mashiach is going to. Can Mashiach come to Brad Hashem to be really but do you know how much will have to be dismantled? Do you know how much industry that's spewing poisons into the air going to have to be dismantled? Do you know that means that we can't live the way we're living with all our conveniences because they're destroying the world? Honestly, right? Things are going to change. <laughs> what? What? Yes, that's part of it. That's part of it. Yes, Michelle's bringing up a great point. The Medrash says, the Medrash says, famous, that when the Jews got, this is the Chachma, this is the Chachma. When Amishal got to the edge of the sea, the sea said, wait a second. Why should I split? Should I split? Should I not split? The sea said, I don't want to split. They're also of their Vodazara. Just like the Egyptians, which means to say that they had, we, the Jews had, the Jewish people at that time, Amishal, had slipped in their pristine, you know, their pristine attachment to monotheism. So the so the Yam is like, I don't know if I want to. And then Hashem said, what about Brisavos? What about, you know, the promise I make to others? There's a whole, a whole discourse, a whole debate. So it just underscores that nature is using Chachma, making decisions. Did, who told who? Israel. No, Hashem said, stop praying and go. That's another. <laughs> yeah. But is, is the world, like, I always think of Hashem like it's so in the world and everything, but if he gave, basically gave us Rahimah and he gave the world Rahimah to do everything he's yeah. doing, yeah. then he's kind of on autopilot. It's like, in other words, giving everything over. And you are, like, you are, okay. What's your name? Ahuva. Ahuva is bringing up a very important issue. If HaKadosh Baruch Hu, okay, okay, I'll, we'll keep this on for two more minutes and it'll otherwise be too long to put on. If HaKadosh Baruch Hu invested nature with this Chachma, so nature knows what to do, so then do you need Hashem's Cheshbonos to sort of you know, bring that hashkacha process. Nature knows what to do, right? All right, you're getting to a very important topic. It's a Kabbalistic idea. Remember the baby in the womb. Do you remember it, that the baby, it, how is the baby, how does the mother's nutrients or life force reach the baby? What is the umbilical cord connected to? The mother's liver? The mother's heart? What's it connected to? The mother's brain? All right, what's the placenta? This is a very important part of the muscle. What is the placenta? The placenta is the reservoir, an organ, which serves as some sort of reservoir for all the nutrients and oxygen and everything that will ever flow into the baby is pooling in the placenta, which is, by the way, separated from the amniotic sac by its own membrane. It's in a different realm. Do you remember on this first day Hashem said Yehior? And but before that it says Bereshis Baralakim Es Hashemayim VeEs Haaretz. What's the Shemayim? Shemayim is a creation. The placenta is a good muscle for the Shemayim. Hakadosh Baruch created a realm, and in that realm Hakadosh Baruch Hu pooled all the kochos. We call them Malachim the spheros, okay? All of the, that which will 
flow into humanity and into the world and give it life is already pooled in the Shemayim. And that's why we, Torah is in Shemayim. We pull it down. Torah, right? Torah, loba Shemayim. Now we pull it down from Shemayim. There is a realm, it's created, called Shemayim. Hashem created it. That is the realm where HaKadosh Baruch Hu invests all his rachon, all possibilities, as we said, malachim forces, they all exist in Shemayim, which means that, and this is what all of Kabbalah is really dealing with. How does Hashem's Ratzon, which is, so to speak, totally abstract and far away and untouchable, unknowable, how does it find its way down through what's called the Shalshelis, a chain, until it ends up, so to speak, in Malachim, in forces that carry out Hashem's will? How many steps are between it? But no matter how many steps are between it, it all originates in the mind, so to speak, of Hashem or the mind of the mother. In other words, whatever is going to be in the Shemayim placenta is going to, is Hashem's decision. And once it's there, yes, once it's there, there's a certain, um, and this is what we're talking about, there's, there's, a, there's a possibility that that realm called the Shemayim with all the Malachim and all the Kochas and all that, all nature, right? That that starts to act with Chachma because it knows what it's supposed to do, okay? When that doesn't happen, Hashem is stopping it. Hashem is not letting it respond to people on its own until Hashem gives it specific instructions. You could this, that, this, but otherwise it's not allowed to respond to us. So it comes back alive, crazy stuff. Lots of interesting stuff to think about. What? That's a whole separate issue. Ask it on the chat. It's a great. It's a great question. Okay. See you, everybody. It's Shabbos. I'm just stopping the recording, but I'm not stopping the meeting. One second. <laughs>